and they uh, were known to hop up on a wall, balance on the tip of their hat upside down, <laughs> and like spin around. Do like a little break dancing move. Yeah. Yeah, spread out some cardboard. Yeah. And just really go to town. Welcome to Guide to the Unknown. I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William. And this week, we are digging into some Irish folklore. That's right. And Irish horror stuff. Timely. Yep. It was St. Patrick's Day last week. Last week. week. Correct. Uh, Maybe slightly late. But for us, it's always timely because we are so Irish. Very Irish. We carry that with us. That's true. Slantia. Can't get away from it. Uh Uh-huh. Our father was 100% Irish. Yep. Meaning that we are somewhere around 80, I think. Yeah, I think and our mom is predominantly Irish. Yeah, I think our mom is like 90% Irish or something. And even carrying down on into future generations, I do believe that baby Zoe is just over the 50% mark. Mm-hmm. Irish. Yeah. Quite Irish. Yes. If you couldn't tell by our pal, or I should say my pallor, Will's what they call black Irish, where you have dark hair and you're able to tan somewhat. Oh, I don't know how true that you get, is. You, you do. You get some color. Like, yeah, to say tan might be an exaggeration. <laughs> if I, I am tan compared color. to you, if yes. that's what you mean in well, the study of contrast that is us. No, but you are able to get a little bit of color. It's not like tan tan. but Very little bit. Yeah, but I don't at all. I am. And... Well, you also take care of your skin better. Yeah, but I mean, and you stay out of the sun more, like with better ease. I'm definitely negligent about using mm-hmm. sunscreen and things like that. Right. So I think my skin is just aging and <laughs> right. worn like leather. Resilient. But even so, the dark hair is a black Irish thing. Yeah, I guess that's true. I'm a black mm-hmm. Irish bastard. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But I'm quite pale. Yes, incredibly pale. As like crab am meat. I. I've got some tattoos, so it's covered, but still. Yeah. Would you say you're like crab meat? Yeah, you know how crab meat's <laughs> super white? Yeah. <laughs> I look like I'm made out of crab. Um, which is disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> that fake crab. I can't remember what it's called, but Pollock. Having said it. Yeah. I look like Kevin Pollock. Um, all right, everybody. Do, do you have any familiarity with Irish folklore before we dive in? As Irish as we are, I have to mm-hmm. say I did not know much. I guess I just had a very broad understanding that the Irish have a lot of superstitions and uh, folk stories and things, but I didn't know a lot of specifics. Yeah, I I really, I was, I'm not surprised to find out how little I know, Mm -hmm. but I guess I'm more stunned by the fact that Ireland is not a very large place, and yet it has so much depth to its folklore and its legends and its right. creatures and stories so much so that like we may call this episode you know Ireland scares us or whatever mm-hmm. we do but there's no way that we can encompass every story out of Ireland no for sure not um and quite frankly the stuff that i chose to cover um one i picked a leprechaun just mm-hmm. because it seemed like the the obvious one to do and yes if we missed it it would almost be weirder that we didn't uh-huh. cover leprechauns yep um, but honestly, I, I don't feel that inspired by, um, the leprechaun story. It's pretty simple from what I understand. There's just not all that much to it. Right. So I've, I've gussied it up. Yeah. Okay, great. A little why, bit. why don't you roll right into that? You comfortable with that? Yes. All right. So let's start, uh, let's talk about the leprechaun for a little bit here. According to Wikipedia, the earliest known reference to the leprechaun appears in the medi- medieval tale known as the Ecra Fergus McCletty, mm. The Adventures of Fergus, Son of Letty. That's the other thing. The Irish have a lot of sexy names, you know, like Fergus. Fergus. Yeah. <laughs> Fergus. The text contains an episode in which Fergus MacLetty, King of Ulster, mm. falls asleep on the beach and wakes to find himself being dragged into the sea. <laughs> By three leprechauns. If I fell asleep on the beach, I'd wait to find myself burnt to a crisp. If you if you woke up and there was a little like leprechaun, a little creature, just giggling to itself and dragging your body into the, the sea, sea, I would just die to drown, presumably, or, yeah. or just in inconvenience. Right. I mean, I think not across the board, but I feel like a lot of creatures of Irish folklore <laughs> have like a malevolence to them. Yes. Um, the fairies certainly do. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of like dragging people into holes, into the sea. Like, just like trying to kidnap you or kill you. Well, there's a person sleeping and there's a hole nearby. Right. 
what else am I supposed to do? Yeah, I'm going to drag them into it. Drag this person into that hole. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, I will say leprechauns don't appear to, it's not a matter of life and death. Mm-hmm. Um, their game doesn't seem to be to try to kill you. It's all pranks. It's all merry mischief. Oh, okay. Which is almost weirder. Yeah, it is. That their existence is just like, they're, they're like, you know what it is? What? It's like the cliche of like falling asleep at a party mm-hmm. and it's a party foul and some frat bro is going to like pour beer down your shorts. Yeah. Like don't fall asleep near a leprechaun. Right. Especially by a body of water or a hole. <laughs> so it really just wants you to wake up wet and confused. It's not trying to like kill you. I think so. Yeah. Because they make a point of saying that it's all pranks. Oh, okay. And they're not that harmful necessarily. Okay. They're just a real pain in the ass. Yeah. Very annoying. A major pain in the ass. Uh-huh. So um, anyway, Fergus captures his abductors who grant him three wishes in exchange for release. Okay. So very magical creature, like familiar sort of uh, topics here, mm-hmm. like capture the leprechaun and I'll, I'll give you a wish if you let me go. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. They don't really delve into why they have that ability or... Mm-hmm. No need. It's just... It, th- I mean, that's true of a lot of different folk tales. Like, no need to dig into how this happened. Yeah. It's just established that it already has and let's go with it. True. So the leprechaun is said to be a solitary creature. Mm-hmm. I know I just told you a story of three dragging right. a guy into the ocean. I guess they just all three were doing their own thing. And then they all of them were like, I should drag that guy into the ocean. Yeah, they joined forces. Yeah. <laughs> Let's team up just for this one, boys. So one was pulling one leg, one was yeah. pulling the other. And I bet one was just <clears throat> hopping with glee. Oh, you're and like, and you like know, cheering singing, them on. Doing a limerick. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like Would it pull you into the sea? What clever boys are we? I don't like a limerick. No, neither do I. Then you'll hate the leprechaun movies. Oh, yeah. That's Full true. of limericks Ugh. and rap. <laughs> yes, that leprechaun I know. Leprechaun rap. Uh, so their principal occupation is making and cobbling shoes, hmm. and they enjoy practical jokes. So there's not a whole lot of talk of pots of gold at the end of rainbows here. No. So that is... I, yeah, I guess I guess if you like think of the iconography of the leprechaun, like you found me pot of gold, mm-hmm. and it's hidden at the end of the rainbow. I don't have an answer for why it's hidden at the end of the rainbow, right? But there is mention of the fact that people used to bury their money to keep it safe, mm-hmm. and leprechauns were, I guess, for their mischief or their obsession with gold, digging it up, digging it up, and then keeping it for themselves. Yeah, that's now my money. I found it. Uh huh. Uh, which that's not mischief. That's just stealing. That's just thievery. If it was just if they were just digging it up and leaving it there, like haha, now it's not safe. Somebody might come across it. That's mischievous. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and instead it's just like larceny. Yeah, it's you know? not just like being a scamp. You got me good, mm-hmm. leprechauns. I'm poor now. <laughs> you stole all my money. Right. Um. Now, when you picture a leprechaun, I'm guessing that you are probably imagining sort of a short person. Mm-hmm. Um, they're wearing a green suit. Yeah. They have those like little short pants. Yeah. They go just to the knee. Yes. And then it's white socks, mm-hmm. little yep. buckle shoes. Yep. Top hat with a buckle on the top hat. Yeah. I don't know why people had to buckle their hats. Mm, I'm not sure. I don't know. You had For to fasten look. your hat to your head. Yeah, I guess. So to keep, it's, it's the belt of the head. <laughs> it is. The, yeah, it's the belt of the head. Well, if you've ever seen Conan... When he goes to Ireland, his hat blows off. Yeah. And he He's running across the plains. <laughs> chasing yeah. it downfield. So yeah, maybe maybe it's better to buckle your hat on. Right. Could in, have served him well. In the Emerald Isle. Um, now, while we imagine them in the green suit, the original incarnation of leprechauns, they all wore red. Oh, okay. Almost all of them. Full red suits. Hmm. Their, uh, their hat was one of those pointy hats. And like a witch hat? Yeah, kind of like a witch hat, um, but with no brim. So almost like a David the Gnome okay. type hat or like what Link wears in Legend of Zelda, but I think pointing straight up like a dunce cap. Mm-hmm. And they uh, were known to hop up on a wall, balance on the tip of their hat upside down, <laughs> and like spin around. Do like a little break dancing move. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, spread out some cardboard. Yeah. And just really go to town. <laughs> um uh, and yeah, for whatever reason, they're frequently seen cobbling one shoe, hmm. which I think is almost like a holdover from that. Isn't there that a uh, fairy tale? Yeah, the cobbler who 
can't get his work done. He goes to sleep and the elves. Yes. Elves make the shoes for him in the middle of the night and he wakes up to find all his work done. Yep. It's just a lazy cobbler. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Maybe the uh, the leprechaun is hoping that some elves are going to pitch in. So he's just like, oh, I'm too tired to do this. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I would do. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> if I were a cobbler. I think it's a great tactic. And I knew there were elves around. I'd just be like, oh, man, what a day. What Boy, a day. Boy, am I bushed. Better knock off early, <laughs> knowing that these elves will do my work yeah. for me. Um, there is a tradition for some people, and I remember this in school growing up, but I haven't heard of this in a long time, of making traps for leprechauns around mm-hmm. St. Patrick's Day. Yep. You remember this? Yeah. I think we did this in school. I just remember it being a thing. I don't remember ever specifically doing it. Yeah. I, I think the only time I ever encountered it was like kindergarten. Mm-hmm. I remember that we had one day where the gingerbread man... I think supposedly we've talked about that. Did we talk scary about that? that is. Yeah. It's very weird. That uh the the teachers were like you got to find the gingerbread man. He's hidden somewhere. <laughs> he's loose. He's hi- yeah, he's loose. We don't know where he is. We baked him and now he's escaped. Right. That's scary <clears> for <throat> a kid. It's very I weird. I find that creepy. And I think there was this other idea of like we got to catch the leprechaun. Mm-hmm. So there's a Wikipedia all about leprechaun traps. It's very sparse. Okay. Here's basically all they have to say. A trap is traditionally made by young children and set out the night before St. Patrick's Day. After the children go to sleep, parents add signs of leprechauns visiting, such as chocolate coins. Hopefully not like little chocolate berries. Yeah. <laughs> like a, get, like get a rabbit. Up. Yeah, right. You know? That's that little pile of chocolate in the corner. I think there was a leprechaun. Oh, it's for the leprechaun. Uh, or from the leprechaun. <laughs> we're not a sign sure. that a leprechaun is near. I mean, that's mischievous. It is. If he is just being a, a little prankster, a merry prankster. Leprechaun took a crap in the corner. <laughs> St. Patrick's Day kids. Right. Yeah. I don't want the leprechaun to come. No. <laughs> Mommy, tell him not to come next year. <laughs> and, then, and then like at the end of the year, you get the elf on the shelf who's just yeah. crouching in a corner. <laughs> Do you think you're going to do that with Zoe up on the shelf? We have one upstairs. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm very undecided. Yeah. I Part of me thinks, and I'm sure every parent says this. Right. Part of me thinks that she's just going to go, what? Mm-hmm. No, I don't think so. You're lying to me. Nah, kids aren't really like that. She's going to want to participate in it probably on some level. Yeah. But I don't think they're but then really. We, but once you start, you have to keep doing it until they're like yes. 15. And you're like, you know this isn't. No, you can stop as soon as they know that it's not real. But you don't necessarily know that they when have caught on. They'll let you know. You think so? Yes. What kid finds out about Santa and just keeps it to themselves? There are plenty of kids who, who they do They keep that. it to themselves? Yeah. Really? Uh-huh. Well, then, yeah, I guess you have to keep it up until That's you've had... That's what I'm saying. Ex- I think it's really unlikely that... I think it's probably few and far between who keep it to themselves. It also sounds like a whole rigmarole. The hell? Yeah, I think it's a huge commitment. Yeah. All right. I think, yeah. uh, 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 but that elf is wily, mm-hmm. you know? So for the parents that welcome that elf into their home and they have to keep track of everything that he's doing and yeah, it does sound like a hard life. Uh, so anyway, so after the children go to sleep, parents add signs of a leprechaun visiting such as chocolate coins or treasure left in their bottom drawers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, I, All right. I read that deliberately I, with that inflection. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's not, I, I don't imagine it's the, the lowest drawer of a dresser. It's their bottom drawers. Your bottom drawers are your underpants. Yeah, your underpants left yeah. discarded on the floor. They put chocolate in the back of those. <laughs> they, they tell you a leprechaun. I like the, the, um, the rituals and traditions that you are building around the leprechaun. Yeah, I, I think, think they're a lot more fun. could be good. A lot of leprechaun yeah. scat. Yeah, <laughs> right. This is what I want Zoe growing up with. <laughs> the, the most Screw juvenile, elf on the shelf. Yeah. The stupidest. Yep. Uh, children are told that they must believe that leprechauns are real in order to trap one. Mm-hmm. It's very much like Tinkerbell. Yeah. Right? Like you can't trap it if you don't believe. Right. So it's a participation thing, a little suspension of disbelief. Mm-hmm. And also the invitation, do you want to do Yeah, this and like way? engage with this. Which is fun. Uh, they're also told that leprechauns love gold and trickery and may steal or hide items unless captured, pleased, or scared away. Um, now, I did find a couple of creatures that might be related mm-hmm. to the leprechaun. One of them is called the Clurichon. Okay. I, I guess leprechaun, Clurichon. Yeah, they must be... C-H. They have the same kind of base. Yeah, the, the, the Clurichon, I believe, is essentially a leprechaun... 
um, that haunts breweries, pubs, and wine cellars, hmm. um, and is uh, uh, mostly just a leprechaun on a drinking spree. Nice. It says. So that turns it into an entirely different creature, a drunk <laughs> leprechaun. Oh, man. You know? I know a little something about that. I think I was a Kurakon yeah, for a long time. Transformed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, there's also a creature known as the Far Darig or Fear Dirge. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, this is technically a type of fairy, but it's just a sort of odd offshoot of the leprechaun. And also, they say that the leprechaun is considered a fairy to some. Yeah, I think that a fairy to a degree is kind of any, like, basically supernatural creature that is small. Yeah, it's like Ireland. an umbrella term. Right, so the leprechaun, even banshees are kind of considered fairies, which right. I was surprised by. So I do think it's an umbrella term for the supernatural, but most often small in stature things, which yeah. is kind of funny, but true. Because if I think about fairy, I think about diminutive, mm-hmm. big butterfly wing type, cre- right. like, a, like a Tinkerbell. But literally. not necessarily, like fairies are basically elves or yeah. whatever. okay. So uh, the this far darig I thought was kind of cool. Um, the words mean red man, and the far darig is said to wear a red coat and cap. They're also sometimes known as rat boys, <laughs> as they are said to be rather fat, have dark hairy skin, long snouts, and skinny tails. Uh, it's a solitary creature, just like the leprechaun. Um, and they're said to be slouching, jeering, mischievous phantoms. The far darg in particular is described as one who busies himself with practical joking, especially with gruesome joking. Oh. Which I think is a very fun phrase. Right. That, uh, uh, here's an example of gruesome joking. Uh, replacing babies with changelings. Yeah, so changelings, I think, might be a whole topic for another day. I think so, too, because I started trying to look into this, and it just quickly could spiral out of control. Mm-hmm. Um, but so this idea of like a gruesome joke, yeah, your child is gone now and replaced with a creature. Right. Teehee, isn't that fun? No, no not a fun joke. It's too much. Rat boy. Right. Red man. Or what was it called? Yeah, Red Man, mm-hmm. the Far Darig. Right. You've you've taken my baby and replaced it with something else. Mm-hmm. They are also said to have some connection to nightmares. Oh, okay. Which I thought was kind of fun. Um, so all of this uh, leprechaun lore inspired a great many people, including one John Holahan, hmm. who in 1964 invented, what do you think? St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, I'll, well, I'll, I'll, I'll make it, I'll give you a hint. Okay. It gives it all away. He was at the grocery store and he thought to Lucky himself, charms. what if I combine Cheerios with circus peanuts? Circus peanuts? Is that what circus peanuts taste like? Marshmallows? Is that what they are? I have no idea. I, was... I love Lucky Charms marshmallows. Yeah, they're called, uh, man, what, what were they called? They're called like Martmallows or something. Like they're not allowed to be called marshmallows. <laughs> really? Yeah, something like yeah, they're that. Not, I mean, they're not really marshmallows anyway. That's what we call them and everything, or I guess yeah. not. But it's not really a marshmallow. No, it's not. But I like whatever it is. Yeah, let me see. But so if that's what circus peanuts basically are, then I've been missing out on circus peanuts for a long time. Yeah, there's there's a whole the the, the Wikipedia for Lucky Charms is outrageous. <laughs> I didn't I didn't go to MrBreakfast.com for this one. Oh, William, I'm sorry to hear that you I mean I, out. I guess I could yeah Hold on a second, Mr. yeah let's find out <laughs> Mr. Breakfast so that's a source that we used a long time ago for something I can't remember what it was we were talking about Halloween themed food yes that's right it was like spooky food or something um it would make sense that you get to revisit Mr. Breakfast because I got to revisit a beloved source from an early episode I think that for banshees I used an Irish wedding ring uh, website yes it's CelticWeddingRings.com and I got to revisit CelticWeddingRings.com for this perfect my favorite site for guides to unknown research that's great Mm -hmm. Um, so Lucky Charms was the first cereal to include marshmallow pieces the first pieces were pink hearts, yellow moons, orange stars, and green clovers. They're magically delicious is the famous slogan attached to the Lucky Charms cereal. The phrase, they're always after me Lucky Charms, runs a distant second following any verbal listing of the marshmallows in the cereal. So pink hearts, yellow moons, orange stars, green clovers, uh-huh. you know, and blue moons, pots of gold and rainbows. Yeah. And me 
Red what? balloons. <laughs> Whatever it was. There's like a whole rhyme. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Mr. Breakfast has an extensive page. Oh, as they should. Do you like Loki Charms? Oh, they're great. Mm-hmm. They're great. The and, marshmallows and, and... are basically, I feel like they are similar to that dehydrated um, astronaut ice cream. Yeah. You know what? Which I also like. I mean, I haven't had that in like 20 years, but I know that I used to like. You're absolutely right about that. But I will say astronaut ice cream, I think is terrible. Oh, really? Yeah. I like it. I wish it was in more flavors than Neapolitan. Uh, when you go to the museum, that's all they usually have. You're right. That is weird. <laughs> so uh, the, the pieces of marshmallow, I just looked it up, are called marshmallow bits, which then they created, they merged, they created a little portmanteau. Marbits. Oh, ew. That's what those are called. Huh. Which Marbits sounds like some sort of like chemical yes. runoff. Yeah, Marbits. Marbits. That doesn't sound appealing. You know, like that, that's something that like, that's like a small chemical that's like in your shampoo or something. Right, you know, right. that doesn't sound like something edible and right. scrumptious and delicious that you keep to yourself. Yes. So, uh, the, uh, again, this was created by John Holohan in 1964 after he thought, what if I mixed cheerios with circus peanuts Mm -hmm. which circus peanuts is that not the least appetizing candy imaginable i would think so my impression isn't that they're good but this is making me rethink that like like pillowy dense foamy yeah circus peanuts i think it's just probably the flavor they're like they're like orange they're like a skin tone yeah maybe I think it's just the flavor that's bad. I, I I imagine that the texture could be okay, but meh. It's also weird to have like a candy peanut. Yeah. Like it's not a some fantastical fun thing. No, it's a peanut. It's a peanut. Right. <laughs> it's like shaped like a peanut shell. <laughs> anyway, the leprechaun himself is known as Lucky the Leprechaun. Uh, sometimes also known as Sir Charms. <laughs> I think they retired that one pretty early. <laughs> Alias Sir Charms. <laughs> I have never heard that before. <laughs> Arriba Sir Charms. Uh, he was briefly replaced by a different mascot named Waldo the Wizard. What? Yeah. When? Very briefly and only in New England. When? I mean, were we alive? Because we lived in New England. I mean. Should I be remembering Waldo the Wizard? Maybe it was exactly when we moved to Missouri. Right. <laughs> and then back again <laughs> <laughs> let's see um so in 1975 okay no so we were not alive we just weren't born yet it was 11 years after the serial was created in 1975 lucky the leprechaun was briefly replaced by waldo the wizard in new england while lucky remained the mascot in the rest of the united states which is confusing how strange like a like an Maybe east like coast a... west coast war <laughs> yeah. between waldo the wizard and lucky the leprechaun <laughs> yes or charms <laughs> Walter the Wizard was Biggie and Lucky the Leprechaun was Tupac. That's right. Um, envisioned as a forgetful wizard who was kind to children, Waldo initially prevailed in market tests. However, Walter's creator, Alan Snedeker, suspects that he sealed Waldo's fate by working on TV ads that portrayed a nicer version of Lucky. Hmm. So hold on. Wait a minute. Are we, are we saying that Lucky was not nice? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Does that mean that him being nice to children was such a departure is that weird yes it's definitely weird okay hold on a second so the the cereal okay what if we mix cheerios with circus peanuts right and then general mills uh suggested marketing the cereal around the idea of charm bracelets Mm -hmm. so that's how you get the yeah um so lucky charms and then uh they create the mascot for Lucky Charms, created in 1963. What? The mascot for Lucky Charms was created a year before the cereal? Hold on a second. This doesn't make sense. (laughs) Wikipedia, pull it together. Or do you think that they came up with a great mascot and they were like, now we just got to find the cereal. (laughs) To match. To match. I don't know. Maybe it just, I have no idea. It's like, it's a lot like falling in love. (laughs) You got to have the mascot and the cereal and it forms a perfect union. Right. That's like an, a madman, an ad man. Yeah. In the 60s trying to create Lucky Charms. Yes. Beautiful little bits. We call them Marbits. Marbits. So he was created in 1963. I see nothing here about him being unkind to children. <laughs> and yet it does say that Waldo the Wizard was kicked to the wayside. Because Lucky Because of became... nicer portrayals of Lucky. Well, you know. 
I like the idea of a mascot that's like, eat it, you little brat. <laughs> you're going to eat marbits and you're going to love them. Shove them in. Yeah. Now. So, the leprechaun influenced the cereal and then the cereal influenced Mark the Jones. The leprechaun. Okay. No, it did. Mark Jones, the writer uh, and director of Leprechaun, the movie. Nice. Uh, so, he, was desi- he desired to make a film. He decided that a low-budget horror film was the best opportunity. Mark Jones was inspired by the Lucky Charms commercials hmm. to create a leprechaun character. So maybe he was mean if it ended up <laughs> inspiring a horror movie? <laughs> <laughs> the original commercial for the Lucky Charms breakfast cereal was like a child in bed. It's still dark out. The sun hasn't risen yet. And then just a pair of red eyes yeah, open right. from under the kid's bed. Yeah. And you just hear a voice go, get up. You little shit. <laughs> it's breakfast time. And then a young Mark Jones at home is like, ah, no. But wait. I, me thinks I sense an opportunity. I think a fortune I shall build yeah. off of this very idea. Uh, Jones was further, uh, oh, his twist was to turn the character into an antagonist. Mm-hmm. He was further influenced by the film Critters, which featured a small antagonist. Oh, so he was like, bug. we can take a little a little guy. Uh, Jones brought the concept to Trimark, who were looking to get into film distribution. It became the first uh, film produced in-house by Trimark to be theatrically released. Um, uh, in an interview, Jones said that he began writing the script in 1985, spent a long time developing the Leprechaun character, which he initially envisioned as a, quote, horrible, murderous creature. <laughs> But became I mean, a more he? he is, but he became more comedic and a more developed character before filming began. Uh, played by Warwick Davies, of mm-hmm. course. Uh, now that movie went on to yeah spawn a franchise. There are to this day uh, eight Leprechaun movies. Wow, how many years do you think it's been since there was a Leprechaun movie? I know exactly how many years. How many? How many years do you think it's been? Fifteen. No, way off the mark. Okay, like way off the mark. Four. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we've got the first three Leprechaun movies. Then it starts getting deliberately even more silly because Leprechaun's already a silly concept. Mm-hmm. Leprechaun four in space. Oh, then man. five is Leprechaun in the hood. Six is Leprechaun back to the hood. T H A. By the way, back oh, to the hood. I no doubt. Uh, that's the end of Work Davies. Mm-hmm. He's done after what the sixth movie. Then, just a few years ago, they made Leprechaun Origins, oh, where Hornswoggle from the WWE World Wrestling Enterprise, something like that, uh, takes over the character. But instead of like, because Warwick Davies played him with this like, like the the like silly a classic, the little Irish voice, and he would do little limericks. Mm-hmm. You best not be taking me gold, right? A lot of that kind of thing. Uh, in Leprechaun Origins, he's like an animalistic troll, oh. almost. Does not talk. Huh. Uh, but then, in 2018, Leprechaun's Return, Leprechaun Returns is a direct sequel to the original Leprechaun movie. What the hell's going on? Did this happen it's before Halloween? Same year. But did did it happen before? Do you think? I can because find Halloween out. is largely credited. It's not a big deal. You're right. Is largely credited with spawning the requel thing. Let's see. But if Leprechaun was there first, then this shakes everything up. You're absolutely right about that. So let's let's see here. It came. Oh, it's going to be hard for it to have come out first. It came out December, December. 11th, 2018. <laughs> I wonder if there's a production race. I bet it didn't take long to make. <laughs> so I think I think they probably got wind that Halloween 2018 was happening. Uh-huh. Uh, Halloween 2018 came out just two months earlier, October 19th, 2018. Just missed it. Just missed it. So Halloween 2018 remains mm-hmm. uh, uh, the The one, requel champion. The requel champion. Um, I do hear people using the term requel now, by the way. Oh, really? Gotta okay. give the new Scream credit. They sure. did actually coin, coin a term that people are... Happy to use. I mean, it makes sense. Reboot, sequel. I guess. I don't see how it's not a sequel. <laughs> but it's 
that's their whole point. That's a mashup of a reboot and a sequel. I would have gone with C boot. <laughs> <laughs> so, It'd be so funny if you had simu- if you had simultaneously come out with C boot, but everybody's using Requel, and you're like, mm. I stick to my guns. Like you, you and- have a Twitter thread that you thought was gonna go viral and be wild, right. and then you're like, damn it! Instead, I just grow bitter. Yeah, they keep saying Requel. Uh, well, I call it C-boot. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, a little more accurate. Than I have a Twitter thread that came out weeks before the movie. My Twitter thread dropped, like, yeah. I don't know, three days after Scream came out. <laughs> but I still thought C-boot was pretty cool. C-boot. Uh, last thing I want to say about Leprechauns, uh, I, I, arguably <laughs> the, the most famous thing, the most famous Leprechaun story of all time is that news report. <laughs> From Alabama. Oh, without a doubt. Who all seen the leprechauns say yeah? I love that so much. So there was a neighborhood in Mobile, Alabama. <laughs> I love that you, found, you thought to include this. Very good. And uh, NBC, uh, 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 an NBC affiliate uh, did a report about how people had apparently been seeing a leprechaun in mm-hmm. the area. And so in 2006... Um, this video went out where, you know, they're interviewing people around this community who are like, I saw him up in the tree. Could be a shadow. He tipped his hat. Tipped his hat. A lady goes, could be a crackhead that got hold to the wrong stuff. Yep. <laughs> and told him to climb a tree and play a leprechaun. <laughs> like made it to the news. Like it doesn't make sense. There's a guy who goes, this is a special leprechaun flute handed down by my great, great grandfather. It's like definitely lying. No, it's just a bunch of people having a little fun. Having fun. There's an artist sketch, a very famous artist sketch of this leprechaun. It's fantastic. Which is just like a a little doodle. (laughs) It almost looks more like an alien wearing a little bowler hat. Yeah, it does. It's bizarre. Uh, Anyway, uh, on Wikipedia, they make a point of saying that as of 2018, so nobody's updated this Wikipedia in a while, Mm -hmm. the video has over 28 million views. Well deserved. It's really one of, like, it was in an, an original viral video where it was yeah. on this old site called, like, Ebaum's World. Yeah. Before yeah, there yeah. was YouTube or anything. Very true. Every single one of those million views is deserved because this is an iconic video. Deserved, earned. Mm-hmm. We applaud them. Oh, yeah. Um, but this is also on Wikipedia that I thought was strange. There's an entry. It says, The Bob and Don Show. It's just like a radio, like two radio guys show uh, in Dallas. They conducted a field investigation in 2014. So this would be eight years later, mm-hmm. interviewing locals about their memories of the incident. So if you take that news report at face value, they're saying they saw a leprechaun. Right. And we all laughed at the video. Yes. But these guys actually tried to find out investigate. And so numerous witnesses identified the Crichton Leprechaun as a local townsperson named Sean, who was a dwarf. The interviewers were brought to meet the man, who recounted the story as a prank played on the local community in which he dressed in a leprechaun suit and climbed a tree while his friends alerted others about the leprechaun sighting. Oh, so there is some actual... Some validity to the story? So this guy named Sean, I guess. Yeah, who has dwarfism. Yeah, uh, dressed up like a leprechaun to prank the community. Oh, and it worked. And then it took off, I guess. I I don't know. They must have been thrilled then. Right. That's what a payoff for Sean. I know. And what a payoff for this show, the Bob and Don. Yeah, you're right. Bob and Dan? They got to the bottom of it. The Bob and Dan show. Yeah, they got to the bottom of it. But I've never heard of that before. No, I I had no idea. Part of the problem probably is that nobody really wants to know. (laughs) No, I don't. I wish I didn't know. Oh, really? Do you wish I hadn't (laughs) told you this just now? No, it's fine. I don't care. Uh, Everybody likes to just think that this was just like some wacky- Yeah, just an oddity. Just an oddity. Just like a a bizarro story. Mm -hmm. Uh, But no, evidently there might actually be an answer. Right. To what the leprechaun thing was all about. (laughs) I have no idea. We're so lucky. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, but who even knows if that's true? Mm-hmm. You know, it's been a further eight years now. Right, right. Maybe it's time for a, for another investigation. Yeah, absolutely. Kristen, we're going to Mobile, Alabama. Let's get in our ride. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Yes. So this this Mobile, Alabama mm-hmm. leprechaun sighting, uh, I want to I want to watch it. That together. sounds great. I would love to. So uh, I'll tell you this before I continue with my Irish mm-hmm. stories. Everybody go check out patreon.com slash pod. If you're enjoying this show, if you enjoy what we do here on the main feed, I think you're really going to enjoy the kinds of stuff that we put out on our Patreon. Yeah. This past Monday, we release a new show every single Monday. 
um, we did a, uh, Kristen and I investigated a website, Mm -hmm. the website for a club, the ghost club. It is the oldest club dedicated to the paranormal ever yes of all time something like that like charles dickens was a part of this club at some point in its you know extensive past yeah Kristen and i looked through their research on their website debated it this club has photographs where they say this is a photograph of a ghost Mm -hmm. and then we look at it and we're like that's (laughs) a guy that's a guy (laughs) just reflected not a ghost a guy in like glass anyway they also had a form on the website that's like if you'd like to join fill out this form Mm -hmm. so on the show we fill out the form anyway that's out right now if you want to go check that out yeah we've got different tiers on our patreon so the the you can donate a buck and be on the zombie tier uh that's just to sort of like like pay us back for the the show that we're doing if you're able to we greatly appreciate that yes if you join at the ghost tier that's our four dollar and up tier you get a show every month if you do the banshee tier at eight dollars a month you get two shows mm-hmm. each month and then at our top tier the demons yeah thirteen dollars a month you end up with an exclusive show every single week every monday you get another World Dispatch yeah. show. It's so, pretty sweet. And also, all of those tiers get access to our Discord, yeah. which is like a private chat room that has different categories. And other listeners of the show are hanging out and they're talking, trading recommendations, just like sharing things about their lives every day. And it completely rules. Yeah. So uh, if you go sign up right now, uh, the Monday show that we just posted about us checking out the Ghost Club went out to Demons, mm-hmm. so that $13 tier. Yep. But that means this coming Monday show is for anybody on the Ghost level and up. Mm-hmm. So for just $4 per month, you can get this coming Monday show where I want to watch this Mobile, Alabama leprechaun mm. report. Great. Talk about it review it because we can we can describe it here on the main show sure but the main show is governed by overlords spotify yeah. and youtube will smack us yeah they they run copyright checks yes. so we can talk about it here but we can actually play the audio and video for people over on patreon and we do that all the time so look forward to monday where we're going to mm-hmm. be watching this leprechaun video and so much more because this monday's episode is going to be episode 50 yep. of the Netherworld Dispatch. And I've lined up a few things to celebrate. We're going to do a bit of a smorgasbord. So that's coming up on Monday. Come check it out. And uh, right this second, patreon.com slash pod. If you're enjoying this, there is so much more go- going on over there. Mm-hmm. And once you sign up, you're going to get access to everything that that tier has access to. So you're probably going to have dozens of episodes just sitting there waiting for you if you go sign up right this second. That's right. Uh, make sure you also uh, subscribe to this show everywhere. Share it with people. That would be tremendously appreciated. You can leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. Spotify also now has a rating system. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you are uh, 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 interested in leaving us a review, I cannot tell you how much we'd appreciate it. Uh, spreading the word, tagging people in episodes of the show, let yep. them know that we're we're out here doing this kind of stuff. We would really appreciate that. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, all right. Let's talk about some other stuff. Okay. So I picked some other just like Irish mainstays. Here's a mini. The shillelagh. Mm-hmm. Do you know what do you know what a shillelagh is? I think it's like an instrument or something. Am I right? Like a musical thing? An instrument. Can you play the shillelagh? Uh, uh, I'll tell you what. It might make a bit of a sound when you crack it on someone's skull. Uh oh. What is it? It's a weapon. Oh. Uh oh. Yeah, you've got to have your shillelagh. Mm. It's a walking stick, primarily known to be made out of blackthorn. Oh, okay. Blackthorn wood. And then uh, you would uh, uh, you have to cure this thing. So you don't only get the stick, mm-hmm. and you can use it as a walking stick. But some people store it up inside a chimney to basically like cure it and harden it. And uh, uh, um, that's cool. Yeah. Some people um, they like store it in dung. Mm. It said. Okay. That's a weird. Also one. cures it, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Cures it of being something that you want to touch. You're gonna need a cure ever. after right. you carry that shillelagh around. <laughs> I don't know what kind of diseases are on it. But the shillelagh, uh, this knobbly, basically walking stick looking thing, is originally used for settling disputes in a gentlemanly manner. (laughs) This is from their Wikipedia for the shillelagh. Like a duel with pistols or swords. Hmm. So 
in Ireland if if you know somebody takes your newspaper. Right, you might knock them out with a shillelagh. Yeah, you go over there and you get into like a fencing pose with a big knobbly branch. Right, like a, a gentleman's duel. Just bizarre. Huh. That's genuinely all I have about that. that. I mean, I'm glad I know that that's a thing though. I think mom has a shillelagh or had. Really? A shillelagh, yeah. Because huh. I think I think it's a bit of a joke. Yeah, right, right. Like I, I, but can you picture that at all, or what that would be? Yeah, yeah. I think probably a while ago. I don't know if she still has it. Huh. Yeah. All right. Cross her, and she'll. I'm sure she'll brandish it. Absolutely. <laughs> had you. Um, all right. So that's enough about the shillelagh. Let's talk about snakes. So um, part of the reason why uh, um, Irish stuff is on the brain is yeah, we just had St. Patrick's Day. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did occur to me that I didn't know much about. Oh, like why St. Patrick's Day is a thing? Yeah. Yeah, I don't really either. I do know that St. Patrick led a bunch of snakes out of Ireland. That's So that's the thing. Okay. So St. Patrick is the patron saint of Ireland. Mm-hmm. And the day is to celebrate when he died. It's to, to pay honor to St. Patrick. Right. But there's this tale, this story, that St. Patrick banished snakes from Ireland. Um, so here we go. Uh, as Roy Fleckner shows in a biography, the earliest text to mention an Irish saint banishing snakes from Ireland is in fact the life of St. Columba Hmm. written in the late seventh or early eighth century. The earliest, earliest written record of a legend about Patrick ridding Ireland of venomous creatures dates to the 13th century by Gerald of Wales, who expressed skepticism about the veracity of the story. So in the 13th century, they were already like, I don't know about this. This doesn't make sense. Yeah, right. (laughs) He got rid of all the snakes? Like, how do you do that? Just one man? So here's the question that I had. I was like, so I'm only aware, prior to doing the research, of the top level idea that St. Patrick got rid of all the snakes in Ireland. Mm-hmm. There are no snakes in Ireland. Wiped out. He took umbrage to the fact that there were snakes. Right. He got rid of them. And to this day, there are no snakes in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And that feels weird to me. There's no way. How is it possible nah, there are that there's not Ireland. a snake somewhere there's in one. Ireland? Now- I cannot prove to you, of course, that, you know, I'm sure somebody brought a snake in as a pet or one stowed away in a ship or something like arachnophobia. Right. By the way, we should cover arachnophobia soon. Yeah. No? Okay. Do you have arachnophobia? I don't like them, but I've heard that movie is great. I I, I don't know why, but I've had a hankering for that for a while. Anyway. so Is it because of that scary news about (coughs) spiders that are going to be dropping from the sky? Oh, that is a bummer. The Joro spider? That's a, yeah, the Joro spider. I'm hoping that that just doesn't come to fruition. Like, there was a lot of news about murder hornets last year. I don't think I saw a one. Yeah, I don't think I saw a murder hornet. I did see a bunch of lanternflies. Lantern oh, me too. Moth? A ton. No, lantern. Well, maybe both, but definitely lanternflies. We've got a ton of them here. Definitely. But this Joro spider, they say, can parachute using its webs to travel on the wind. It's so disgusting. Imagine just walking outside and then feeling something in your hair. I, If this turns out to really be a thing, like, I will not be going outside without, like, an umbrella, without... I, I'm not playing around. I don't care what I look like. I'm not having a spider that's using its web as a parachute landing on my face outside. I think, honestly, I think it, if if they come around in, in big numbers, mm-hmm. maybe it'll just desensitize us all to spiders. I can't imagine. If you're like, maybe... Look. But I can't imagine. People will be like, look, there goes a Joro floating on the breeze. Make a wish. Maybe. Plant a kiss on your sweetie if you get a Joro spider in your face. That would be great. It means good luck. I'd be be happy to hear it, but Um, blah. So so here's the truth of St. Patrick chasing the the snakes out of Ireland. Um, So uh, he didn't have to banish snakes from Ireland. There are no snakes in Ireland. <laughs> right. I just Googled to see if that's a thing and it's not. And yet. there never were. Right. Something about the climate yeah. isn't hospitable to them. No. The the the, the climate in Ireland is quite cold. Mm-hmm. And uh, hearkening back to the Ice Age, it was just a place that, that snakes would not want. Did I say spiders? I, I don't I know. I got spiders on the brain now. Right. He banished snakes, supposedly, but there never were. 
snakes. Mm-hmm. It was too cold. They are cold-blooded creatures. They cannot live in Ireland. Right. So therefore, evolution sort of dictates if there ever were snakes, they probably died. Mm-hmm. Or migrated the hell out of there to yeah. warmer climates. So no need for St. Patrick or anybody else to banish snakes from Ireland. There never were any. Right. Now, that does not, again, uh, uh, prevent uh, some moody teens uh, from begging their parents to buy them a snake. Yeah, of course. And then having it as a pet and then getting bored and letting the snake go or oh something. Oh, God. Like that, yeah. Know? Taking it to the park for a picnic <laughs> and then it just slithers off into the brush. But uh, yeah, never happened. So here's a quote. At no time has there ever been any suggestion of snakes in Ireland. So there was nothing for St. Patrick to banish, says naturalist Nigel Monaghan, keeper of natural history at the National Museum of Ireland in Dublin, who has searched extensively through Irish fossil collections and records. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, that is neat. Um, I I looked up um, something kind of fun. Because I wanted to have just, I, I got obsessed with this idea of like, I didn't want to just cover broad strokes Ireland mm-hmm. stuff. I wanted to get some like nitty gritty, what are like the stories that people tell each other, Uh huh. you know? So I started trying to look around for Irish urban legends. Yeah. I specifically wanted literal urban legends, tales that people probably tell each other, stories. I mm-hmm. wanted to hear what kind of stories get told. Not just, there's a leprechaun. Yeah. I want a narrative. Right. So it was kind of hard to find because a lot of people misuse the term urban legend. Mm-hmm. But I did get this. It's close to what I was looking for. And it caught my eye as something cool. But it is, uh, sort of falls flat, but it's also just so weird. It has more potential than, than it just doesn't live up to. All right. Uh, so here's a, a legend. This comes to us from darkhorrortales.blogspot.com. The legend of Mrs. Don't Come Running. I mean, that's a sweet name. Isn't that a good what name? What does that mean? So that that is part of what caught my eye because yeah. it just sounds like a boogeyman. Yes. It's a creature. It kind of sounds like something that would be in scary stories to tell in the dark. Mrs. Don't Come Running. You're right. absolutely right. Yeah, there's a, yeah, there, there's a quality in those stories of being like, Oh, what is it like the not the jingly man, the jangly man? Um, yeah, jangly man. Me tie doty walker. Yes, that's yes. what it was. In in scary stories to tell in the dark, me tie doty walker, like mm-hmm. weird mouthful things that you can't quite understand. Yeah, like what the hell does that mean? So this is the story of Mrs. Don't Come Running, and I'm reading verbatim from darkhorrortales.blogspot.com. Cool. You know how in family movies, whenever a kid scrapes his or her knee, the mother comes and makes a big fuss. Her whole world falls apart, and at that moment, she drops everything she's doing, especially something career-related, and runs to her child to make sure he or she is all right. Kids who watch these movies put that pressure on their parents then. Why can't you be like that, Mom? They'll ask. Why don't you drop everything when you see me fall and kiss my boo-boos away? I guess some parents agree to that, while others may counter with, well, what were you doing running around in the play area anyway? Why were you standing in front of the swings when you know kids were on them? Uh, Why were you climbing up the slide when you know you're supposed to, you know, slide down it instead of climbing up? Yeah, you little idiot. In any case, the parents feel pressured to live up to their kids' expectations. But the question is, how do you discipline them? By sharing a scary story, of course. Legend has it. And this is where I get excited. Mm -hmm. Sharing the story. This is the the disciplinarian cautionary tale. Legend has it that long ago, there was a woman who was the strictest mother ever. Her name has been lost to time because, as with some people, their characteristics become more prominent and more a part of them than their own name ever was. Snot-nosed kid, meddling kid, loud sneezer, freeloader, etc. Loud sneezer? You loud sneezer. You can't control that. That kid over there, we call him loud sneezer. (laughs) The woman was known to not care for her if her kids fell and cried. In fact, if they were bothering her too much, she would show them her cruel side and strike their legs. Oh, man. This is the only part that, like, feels like some weird olden time story. 
Yeah. You strike my legs specifically? Right. Yeah. Like with reeds or whatever. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Like some, it just feels like an olden timey kind yes. of punishment. She'll whap you about the legs. Right. The Probably because other... they're covered by pants most what? of the time. So that you can't see the marks or whatever. Oh, you think that's why? I don't know. But maybe. There, that that would be an interesting thing to to test. Those myths of like, you hit somebody with a bag of oranges so it won't leave a bruise. <laughs> I don't want to test that. I'm good. How, uh, or a bar of soap in a sock. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah, it's weird. We can test the code red from a few good men. Let's see if that kills you. Wait, what do they do in a code red? I think they shove a bar of soap down a guy's throat. Oh, God. Maybe something like that. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I'm okay. Okay, fine. <laughs> um, the other kids and parents must have noticed her callous behavior in the playground and how she was treating her kids. But instead of doing anything about it or reporting her, there was a protection. If there was a protection law for children at that time, even instead of all that, they gave her a nickname, Mrs. Don't Come Running. Yeah, don't come running if you fell down while playing. Don't come running if you hit your head. Don't come running if you're climbing a wall and fell on your back. Don't come running at all. The woman's tail is used as a warning to any kid who is playing rough in a playground. If you fall down, don't come running. Hmm. Now, but yeah, this is the issue. Yeah, it's just don't come running to that mom. Right. Yeah, that's not why to, this not doesn't. Not all moms. Yeah, this doesn't work. Right. This this story doesn't hold. Really, water. just that the name is very cool. The name is cool, and the idea of um, a, a parental figure, or you know, it's not always a parent, mm-hmm. guardian, your adult, right, who is meant to care for you. And yet they don't. Yeah. You hurt yourself. And not only are they not going to uh, um, I don't, coddle I don't... you or help you or empathize with you, they're going to very coldly mm-hmm. turn away from you and insist that it was your fault and you should have known better. It's like a scary emotional tale. Yeah, a little bit. I do think, you know, in a weird way, talk about scary stories to tell in the dark. I was, I was thinking about this because I, I love all sorts of stories like this. But what those stories in uh, those books always were, they were retellings of stories like this. Mm-hmm. But they were new tellings of older stories. Yeah. And then in, in the backs of Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, more Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, um, the author would go into their sources and explain where they got bits and pieces of the tale that they wrote. Right. I think that... I, somebody's got to dust off the tale of Mrs. Don't Come Running and make it make sense. Convert it into more of an actual cautionary tale. The idea that if you did something yeah. uh, that you should have known better, I don't it's know, not how, a mistake. How do you even, how do you even, yeah, I guess so. Because I was about to say, how do you even make it into a cautionary tale? Because it seems so singular about yeah. one cold woman. Like, what's the warning there? It does. Don't trip? Uh, yeah, I know, I know. I, 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 I think that's why... And this is really me literally like spitballing it with you mm-hmm. right here. If I were going to try to compile the the Will Rogers, you know, myth book. Right. The Myth Travelers mm-hmm. myth book. Um, and I were retelling this story, I would say you've got to change it from she was one individual person. Um, I mean, maybe maybe she died, right? Yeah. And so it's it's less about like, oh, she's some problematic person out there. And more like she will appear if mm-hmm. you do X, Y, Z. Right. So I think it's got to be you were doing something dangerous. You knew it was dangerous. You did know better, mm-hmm. but you did it anyway. Yeah, that works. And you got hurt. Right. Don't come running to me mm-hmm. to whine that you put yourself in a dangerous situation and now you have to deal with the fallout. So I think it's got to be, and this is kid logic, it's got to be something like you climbed that tree, even though you knew it was dangerous, you fell out of the tree and you hurt yourself. And if you, if you act like, uh, and again, kid logic, this is not something that I support. No, I know. If you're going to be a baby about it and Mm -hmm. whine that you can't handle the effect, Mm -hmm. uh, cause and effect, right? Like you can't handle the outcome of behaving dangerously then Mrs. Don't Come Running will appear. And she is stern and she is callous and she will appear before you with a sneering, you know, uh, condescending look on her face and put you in your place. Yeah, but if they're not, if that's not their mom or whatever, you just like don't go to Mrs. Not Come Running. No, she comes to you. 
Hmm. I'm okay. saying she'll appear if right. you did something okay. that you knew was a bad idea. Yeah. And now you're going to act uh, yeah. like you're the victim of it. Yeah, that is completely sweet. Then Mrs. Don't Come Running will appear to punish you. Mm-hmm. You should have known better or grow up. Right. Now, I, I think that's a horrible way to handle a child. Of course it is, but yeah. But if you're trying to tell a story. Yes. I don't know. Something like that. Yeah, something along. Or, or like your parent will take on those qualities of Mrs. Don't Come Running. Ooh, that's even scarier. Yeah. She, yeah, your parent will become possessed you by Mrs. Don't You do something that makes running. your parent get possessed. Yeah, that's they're really not going to have any sympathy for your situation. Yeah, that that if would you freak. Do that. that would really freak me yeah, out as a kid. Scary. That's so much stranger. The idea that your actual parent mm-hmm. will be possessed or will temporarily be transformed yeah. into yes. Mrs. Don't Come Running. Right. You know, I think I said this last week in the post show mm-hmm. um, when we decided that we were going to do Irish stuff, uh, and it, and you just made me think of it. I remember as a kid. And I didn't ask mom about this either. Um, I remember as a kid, mom was trying to be like cute and playful. And she started speaking oh, right, right. with an yeah. Irish accent. And I didn't understand what was going on. Like, I think I was like three, three or four, something really young. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember just, I must have communicated something along the lines of like, why are you speaking differently now? <laughs> like, that's not your voice. Yeah. And she said like, this is just how I am now. Right. This That's is how I talk scary. now. And she was trying to be cute. That's like a cute thing that I might do to Zoe. Yeah. This is just the way that I talk. We do a lot of voices. This is a very loud house. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that moment with mom, I interpreted that as like, my mom is different now. Yeah, right. <laughs> and the I mother got, I knew is gone. And I got like overwhelmed. Like I started like crying and I got scared that mom's changed. That's scary. The, as a little kid, the it's idea. It's like reverse changeling. Yeah, a momling. Mm-hmm. A mumbling. A mumbling. A mumbling. <laughs> Me mumbling. Yeah. Uh, as a kid, the idea of like, because it's also, it's already sort of like emotionally and psychologically fraught and abusive to be like, well, you knew better and you did it anyway. It's your fault. Instead of just being like, I know you tried something and you knew it was risky and 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 you got hurt and I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was dangerous to do that, uh, but we're going to make sure that you're okay. Right. Right. Uh, Crafting a story that's like your parent will be transformed into this demon of a person yeah. who is defined by how little they care for you. Mm-hmm. And they look like your parents still. Right. That That is very frightening. I feel like yes. for a child that would be very, very scary. God, yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> okay. I think, uh, uh, I don't know. What do you want to do? Where are we at? We're, I mean, we're at an hour plus. Okay. I, I wonder, I, I, I want to just like maybe do, let's just do one more. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just cause. Okay. Cause I, I, I really can only sort of like touch on this last thing anyway, cause it's just so enormous, but I did think it was kind of, kind of cool and it is more of a, a tale or a story. Mm-hmm. Um, did you see this in your research at all? Morrigan? The tales of Morrigan? I'm aware of the Morrigan. You are? Yes. All right. The Morrigan, and this is from theirishroadtrip.com. The Morrigan, which is just cool as a title. It completely The is. Morrigan is one of the many prominent figures to feature in Irish mythology and is primarily associated with war and battle, fate and death. She is a gifted shapeshifter and is known to favor changing into a crow. Um, now there are a lot of, especially in like Christianity, but in a lot of religions, there's this idea of like three persons in one God, Mm -hmm. right? The, the father, the son, the Holy spirit, but that's all one being God. He is the father. He is the son. He is the Holy spirit. I believe that is the case also with Morrigan. Mm -hmm. Um, now I'm not going to get into every single aspect of the Morrigan, uh, but I do want to tell this interesting story. It is a tale with, a. uh, of the Morgan's encounter with a mighty warrior named Ku, uh, Kulane. These names are hard to pronounce a lot of the time. Very, very They're just different from what we're used to. Yeah. So uh, uh, the goddess Morgan first appeared to encounter Ku Kulane while he was defending the province of Ulster from Queen Maeve and her army. The story goes that the Morgan fell in love with Kulane, Ku Kulane. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm Nathan call Lane. Him Cuckoo. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to call him Nathan Lane from now on. That's much easier. Yes. Okay. Right. These are on the ear and the eye. Yes, yes. <laughs> the Morgan Freeman yeah. and Nathan Lane. Uh, she tried to seduce him one day before he entered battle. But for one reason or another. I with Nathan Lane. Uh, I don't know. In uh, he's he's uh he I think he's capable of being seduced. Um, <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, I'm just trying. I'm thinking of. I, I always think about Nathan Lane specifically from the Bird Cage. I know, I know. And uh, his emotions seemed to fluctuate. Yes, quite a bit. Yes. But he was romantic. Yeah, he definitely was. <laughs> so I'm, just I'm just saying. I don't know. The Morrigan, I believe, is a goddess, and Nathan Lane, the person, I believe, is squarely gay. Uh, yeah. So I don't know that the Morrigan is really going to be able to sidle up to Nathan Lane. That is true. I had changed Morrigan to Morgan Freeman, though. Yeah. Okay. So it's back on the table. Morgan for, Freeman, at least theoretically. True. So for one reason or another, uh, Nathan Lane said no, hmm. despite the goddess's immense beauty. And then the mighty battle began. Outraged, the Morgan goddess used her ability to shapeshift to transform from a woman into an eel. This allowed her to swim up to Cuckoo Lane as he made his way through a fjord and she tripped him. He punched at the eel and managed to hurt it, though just temporarily, and then it managed to transform itself into a huge wolf. The wolf ran at a herd of cattle and drove them at Cuckoo Lane. So this guy's already going into battle. Yeah, totally. And now he's going to deal with the fact that this uh, goddess mm -hmm. that he gave the cold shoulder keeps turning into different kinds of animals to attack him. So he's going to yeah. fight two battles. Yes. Basically. Um, so he manages to grab his famous slingshot and uses it to fire a stone into the eye of the Morrigan goddess, who is temporarily blinded. So then the goddess transforms again, this time taking the appearance of a cow. The cow riles up other cows in a herd and manages to get them to stampede mm -hmm. at Cuckoo Lane, who, again, is trying to do something else entirely right. and now has to deal with the stampede. However, he manages to dodge the herd of cows and hits the goddess with a stone that breaks her leg, and that forces her to accept defeat. Mm. Cuckoo Lane makes his way back to his base after winning the battle. Along the way, he meets an elderly lady sitting on a little stool milking a cow. Cuckoo Lane is weary from battle, and he's not paying attention. If he were paying attention, he would have noticed that the woman milking the cow was blind in one eye and that her leg was recently injured. Hmm. So this is yet another form right. of Morrigan. Not sensing the danger that he's in, Cuckoo Lane stopped to speak to the old woman. Apparently thankful for the company, the old woman offers him a drink of milk. After finishing his drink, he blesses the woman, not realizing that by blessing the Morrigan, he cures her of all the injuries and restores her to full strength. That's awesome. Um, but the Morrigan does not attempt to engage Cuckoo Lane in battle again. She had already outsmarted him and tricked him into healing her. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about now the death of Cuckoo Lane. They meet once more before Cuckoo Lane's death. Uh, Cuckoo Lane is en route to another great battle when he encounters a woman scrubbing battle armor covered in blood. Uh, this was supposedly a, a very bad omen before going into a battle. Mm -hmm. Similar to like a banshee. Right. Uh, I think that this was like an omen of death, seeing somebody scrubbing blood. Um, Cuckoo Lane passed the woman and continued to uh, fight the enemy. In that battle, he's mortally wounded. And I thought this was awesome. With the last bit of his strength, he used some sturdy twine to tie himself upright to a nearby boulder in an attempt to frighten off any other enemies nearby. <clears throat> what? So he essentially, he's like, I'm going to die. Okay. So with the last of my strength, before I'm out of the battle, mm -hmm. I'm going to prop myself up vertically. Right. And basically become a corpse scarecrow. Oh, okay. So I will scare okay. the enemy off. They'll see a corpse standing. Okay, I didn't or at understand least sitting upright. why this would deter an enemy. I gotcha. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's how scary am I? Yeah. It's so weird to be like, well, I'll be dead soon, but this body can still be useful mm -hmm. for something. Yeah, that is really cool and If weird. I do something to my body, it will scare people. Right. Once I'm dead. Right. <clears throat> and I'm no longer in my body. Yeah, that's awesome. Anyway, then a crow lands on his shoulder 
and he is said to finally <clears throat> have uh, drifted off to sleep for good. Um, now, the Morgan was known to transform into a crow. So was that her on his shoulder? Ah. Sort of, uh, they, they describe it here on the irishroadtrip.com as her having the final laugh mm-hmm. and being like, you're dead, but I survived. Goodbye. Yeah, right. I almost read that more as sort of like... They've come to some sort of detente. Yeah, or like a respectful passing. Right. She rests on his shoulder mm-hmm. as a sort of mark of farewell. Right. Or, or or a way to pay her respects. Yeah, an acknowledgement. And then fly off, leaving her him behind. Mm-hmm. But now, as much as this is like, you know, Irish folklore, this plays a lot like Greek myth to me. Of like yeah. Zeus turning into, you know, like a goat and trying to seduce some lady. It's it's kind of interesting For to sure. have it be like the the exact gender reverse, mm-hmm. and the Morrigan keeps turning into animals to punish a human dude who scorned her. Yeah, it's like I don't know. It's it's kind of interesting, and it definitely just feels like old world religion, old world logic, definitely, and and telling myths about the land. Yeah, and the Morrigan being a triple goddess is like Hecate in Greek mythology, yeah. which we talked about in that episode. That's right. So I guess that's Irish mythology. That, you know, the other thing is Greek mythology. Sure. I'm sure that throughout a lot of mythology of the same era, there are common lines like that. Yeah, you're right. Because also yeah. a lot of this stuff probably, and, and you know, I don't think we'll ever know this for fact, but sure, certainly there are scholars who probably can underline this notion better than I can. But the idea of, like, humans as social creatures... Mm-hmm. And uh, stories as ways to pass on knowledge about about society and culture, but also entertainment. Yeah, for sure. And just telling stories to each other to pass the time and get to know each other better. Like, we're all social creatures. We're all mm-hmm. storytellers in some capacity. Right. So maybe that Greek myth was passed from person to person to person to person and became the story of the Morgan. Mm-hmm. Or vice versa. Totally. Like, who who knows? Right. Um, they could just be the same story told by different storytellers, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of fascinating. Is one of the fun things that I like to occasionally stumble across. Yeah. Yeah. It's super cool. So there you go. That is yeah, that is it's... my Irish mythology from the leprechaun and Mr. Breakfast to the Morgan. <laughs> That's right. And so we will have my Irish, my Irish mythology next week on the show. Great. Um, as we said before, go to patreon.com slash gttupod if you would like to help support the show. We so appreciate it. And thank you so much to everybody who's already over there. Also, you can go to gttupod.com to find all kinds of other stuff. So links to tons of previous episodes, our Facebook group, more about us, advertising, all sorts of stuff over at gttupod.com. Absolutely. Uh, You can follow at gttupod on all social media to keep up with us and Mm -hmm. what we are doing. Um, You're going to see us at the, uh, the, the Jersey Devil uh, yep. fest coming up soon yep we'll have more information on that as it gets closer to it but on may 7th we'll be in asbury park for the new jersey devil and fable festival yeah so start getting ready for that we're going to be mm-hmm. doing a live show there yep uh so uh if you're in the area come and join us i know, I know i'm mentioning it too early but we'll have more information on at gttu pod as the time gets uh, right mm-hmm. so if that is something that you are able to to come check out make sure that you're following us online to keep up with all the details yeah uh, you can also follow us online. Yep, I'm at Chillin' Kristen. I am at The Myth Traveler. So, next week we'll be back for more Irish stuff, mm-hmm. which will be kind of fun. I'm, yeah. I'm excited to dig into the, the fairy lore. Yeah, totally. Do you have stuff about the Sith? No, but maybe, I, maybe I'll add it on. Yeah, that's okay. where like George Lucas got the idea for the villains in Star Wars. Oh, sweet. Irish folklore. Nice. Or that's sort of like the theory. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, we'll be back for more of that stuff next week, but until that time comes... We must travel back to the Netherworld, don't we? We'll have to take a fairy path to the Netherworld, which I will tell you about next week. Oh, okay. I thought you were just making something up. Nope, that's a thing. Fairy paths and fairy roads. Really? Yep.